Good evening. Good evening. Excellent. Pretty good. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you. Some of you were ready, I saw. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> well, I have been blessed to get to be here with you all, young people. It's been a blessing to be here. And I shared some things with my wife this afternoon that we were hearing, and <clears throat> we talked about, I just shared a little bit. She's actually lost her voice a little bit. She's kind of hoarse, so she's not talking real well. But she whispered something back over the phone. I said, I'm sorry, what did you say? And I was sharing with her some of what we were hearing, and she whispered back saying, are we living it? And I told her, well... I'll come home and we'll talk about it. I just say that because I'm blessed to be here and we need to talk about some things. Lord, are we living the way we should be living? So, you all, I trust, are asking that question too. Lord, what are you saying to us? Most of us haven't heard a whole lot new. But we're kind of easy forgetters, aren't we? And I'm sure there are some new things too. <clears throat> Can we just pray before we begin? Father, I ask, as has already been asked, but I just ask one more time. Would you help me here this evening and give me words and your heart for this topic that we're looking at here? Would you help me? I don't know how to say it right, Lord. I don't know how to say it right. I don't know how to say it balanced. So I ask that you would help me. I do care, Lord, and I do think it's a very important topic. So help me. For your name's sake, Lord, for Jesus, and for your people, your church, these young people. I pray. Amen. <clears throat> we have been pondering the unseen, the eternal. We took a little glimpse as God gave us a glimpse into the eternal one the first night. And we all look and get a glimpse of the eternal one. And to me, it just helps put things in perspective sometimes. And if somehow every now and then I try to stick myself up there, view the eternal one and then view my life. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what matters. That doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It just helps put things in perspective sometimes. And then we looked at an eternal perspective. We can look at life from two different perspectives. A temporal one and an eternal one. Let me just put a few of those things here on the board. I will refer to them that we talked about. If you remember, are these markers down here? I think, okay. We kind of ended up with, um, as we looked at the eternal, I'm just going to put a few things. If you remember, we used a, we've used a few different terms as we've looked at eternal. We've also used unseen. We've also, when we talked about under the eternal a little bit the other night, we talked about sometimes, Paul said, he, we suffer affliction. 
He also says we are reproached, he says, for the name of Christ. Reproach. The reproach of Christ. Then on this side we have the temporal. As we looked at 2 Corinthians there. The temporal. And with the temporal, we talked about the scene. I just referred to it a little bit, but we talked just a little bit. Moses talked about the treasures of Egypt. And I realized this, this list could be made a lot longer. He also talked about the pleasures of sin. And so I just put those down. Just I'll be referring a little bit. We'll use the word eternal, temporal, seen, unseen. <clears throat> and those are two different lists that we've just looked at briefly. And this will come up again, these two different concepts and these two lists a little bit as we go on today. The title for the message this evening is The Unseen War. The Unseen War. We've talked about the unseen a bit. In light of war, I would like to refer and just remind us before we look at what the unseen war is, just the concept that there's a couple different wars that are raging. Rather than turning there, you're going to be turning to Romans chapter 8. But, and I'm just going to refer you to Job. Just remember with me a little bit, Job. Remember at the beginning of Job, we have God sitting on His throne. And there came before God to present themselves to Him ones. And Satan came with Him, with them. Remember that? And God asked him, Satan, what are you doing? And he says, I've been going to and fro on the earth. And by the way, he said, you know about Job? And we get this little dialogue between Satan and God that is happening. And remember, I don't, this is in the eternal. We don't know what happens. We don't know how often this happens. We don't know what really goes on at times like this. But we get a little snapshot here. We can find other snapshots through the word that give these snapshots that there are eternal, uh, in the eternal, in the unseen, there are conversations slash battles slash I don't know what all we would say going on. That's not the unseen war we're going to look at here today. But that is happening. And I want us to remember in the unseen and in the eternal, there are possibly discussions going on about you. Have you seen Timothy lately? Have you seen him? I've been thinking about him. God, can I, I don't know what, bring some temptation, bring some difficulty? Have you seen And so in the eternal, there seems to be things that go on sometimes. And there's a war that's raging. Also, if you are there in Romans 8, there's another war. That's a bit of a war in the heavenlies. There's also a war in myself. And that's more what we'll be looking at tonight. There's a war that rages in me. If you're at Romans 8, I'm just going to read a few verses out of Romans 7. Before we go to Romans 8, and most of you know what that is. But just listen to this. And you tell me, doesn't this look like a war that's happening? For that which I do, I allow not. 
For what I would, that do I not. I'm I'm in 7.15. You don't necessarily have to go there. But what I hate, that I do. Here's this wrestle inside of someone. The Apostle Paul is sharing here, For that which I do, I allow not. I do this and I say, no, I'm not going to do it. That which I would do, for what I would, that do I not. So I would like to do that and then I don't do it. What I hate, that I do. Do you see this wrestle? This war that is happening inside of a man. If then I do that which I would not, so I would say I don't want to do that, and then I do it. I consent to the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And he goes on, for the good, verse 19, that I would do, I want to do this good, and I don't do it. Now, I, now if I do that I would not, so that I'm doing what I don't want to do, And he just goes on, I find this law that's in me. When I want to do good, evil is present with me. Do you see the war that's going on in this person's heart? Have you ever felt that tug? How many people have felt that before? Right? I've felt that. I know what that war is like. And there's a war that goes on as I wrestle. I don't want to do that. And I do it anyway. I want to do that. And I fail. And I don't do it. There is an unseen war that is raging as we walk through life and make choices. And we make choices. We say yes to this, no to that. Yes to this thought, no to that thought. Yes to these feelings and no to those. Yes to this Idea and no to that idea. And what I want us to see, young people, is this war. We fight this war in our day by day by day choices, thoughts, actions, and decisions in little, teeny, tiny ways. It's not a war that is fought and won. Once done for all, good to go. It's an everyday lifestyle. And somehow, if I can help us realize the earnestness with which you and I need to face these little decisions, I'll be thankful. If somehow you would walk out of here with almost a little bit of a fear, maybe I should say, of carnality and a love for spirituality. If I could do that in our hearts a little this evening, I would be blessed. Are you in Romans chapter 8 at the beginning of what I'd like to share here? Romans chapter 8 verse 3. We're going to jump in a little bit in the middle here. It's after this wrestle that we find in Romans chapter 7. We find for what the law could not do in verse 3. In that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. What the law could not do, it couldn't give power to a man to overcome it. The law was there, do this, don't do this. But what the law could not do, God sending His own Son 
Verse 4 here goes on, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Just a bit of a side note, when it's not a side note, Jesus didn't come and thus there's no law anymore. Jesus came and now the law can be fulfilled. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. And as for those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Don't you think we can add something here now? Not those who walk after the flesh, but those who walk after the spirit. So over here on this list again, we have a couple more words that fit into these two categories. <clears throat> those who walk after the who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit verse 5 let's keep going here for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh those who walk and live their life after the flesh I'm going to have to make sure I get the right side here who walk after the flesh those who what was the verse again now I lost it again <clears throat> For they that are after the flesh, thank you, do mind the things of the flesh. So those that are after the flesh, they see the temporal. That's what's important to them. That's what they mind. That's what they think about. That's what's important to them. That's what they value. They mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit... Do mind the things of the Spirit. So though there, we have again two different types of people here. The eternal and the temporal. Am I standing in the wrong place? <clears throat> um, we have one who's flesh and one who's spirit. I'll get this here, okay? Before the evening's out, I'll make sure I get which side is which. And so again we have these, these two concepts and two lists. Let's go on. Verse 6. For he says, if you want to, if you are to be carnally minded, I think we have another word here, right? What's the other word we put down here? Over here. Carnally minded. Is, somebody else say it, is death. So we have carnally minded. And I'm going to put down here also death. For to be carnally minded, those who get caught up in the carnal, in the temporal, in the things of this life, what does it ultimately end up in? Death. But to be spiritually minded is... Thank you, Lord. So we have spirit here, and ultimately it comes in as life. For to be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You would think that this list here and this list here would be good enough. We should be able to say, we all understand, good night, all done. Right? This is clear. Are you carnally minded or are you spiritually minded? Which one? Are you minded of the flesh or are you minded of the spirit? There's a war raging. 
And you and I, as we begin, as you continue in life and make choices, and as I continue in life and make choices, I'm feeding this or I'm feeding this. It's really very simple. And I want, I, I'm praying that God would help us each grasp how simple this is. Because, verse 7, the carnal mind is enmity against God. Period. That's strong. Someone who's minded, whose thought processes, whose desires, whose things he lives for, the things that that make him tick the things that who is minded this way and it's in the carnal it's against god that's strong but that's what he says the carnal mind is enmity against god for it is not subject unto the law of god neither indeed can be so if i want to live my life And I take a carnal mindset, I take a temporal mindset, and I have that concept about life. And when I look at things, I don't look from an eternal perspective. I look from a carnal perspective. If that is the way I look at life, it ends in what? Death. Young people, you're making choices. As you make choices, you begin making choices on this side or choices on this side. When you make choices on the one side, you begin to strangle the spiritual life that's in you. When you make choices on the other side, you build up and you feed the spiritual life that is in you. Some of you have probably heard this. I think I got it from my parents. It's, it goes something to this. Two choices war within my breast. The one is foul. The other, blessed. The one God loves. The other, hate. The one I feed will dominate. Did you get that? We're just going to say that again. Two choices war within my breast. The one is foul and the other, blessed. The one God loves, the other hate. The one I feed will dominate. God says to be carnally minded is death. And I just brought a little illustration along. Some of you maybe have seen or heard this, so bear with me. I want you just to picture... That as we go through life, see if I can get this without. As we go through life, we have the ability to make choices. And I want us to think, as you go about life and you make choices, your choices, if they're made wrongly, take a twist on this and make it a little bit tighter. And you begin to strangle your spiritual life. Can you see it that way? Just for some thoughts here. I know what it's like. I remember. I was actually praying before we came up here. Or before the meeting this evening with my father. And as we were praying. We realized 
the tendency of him and I and the tendency uh, of you all, we, we each, different stages in life have different tendencies. Okay? My tendencies today are not what I'm going to share with you that I've been through. I have different temptations that are bigger to me than our choices. But I remember getting dressed one evening, and I don't remember where we were going, but I remember as I got dressed and I tied my shoes, I was debating what I thought looked better. Back then, I don't know if it's a thing now or not, but it was either tongue out of my tennis shoes and pants behind it or tongue in and pants on the outside. And to take a big, little bit fat tongue and put it on the outside and then tuck your shoes behind it, that was a little bit neater. And so I tried to put my shoes just right and pull the tongue out and stick my pants in behind it. Do you know what I was doing? What was I doing? Right? I was looking not from an unseen perspective, not from God's perspective. I was looking from a very carnal perspective. And I wanted to make sure that I impressed the best that I could. And I didn't hinder that. I didn't know to. I began to, as I went on later in life. But what I was doing was I was feeding the carnal inside of me. I wanted to make sure I looked nice. I wanted to impress with the way that I dressed. And again... What I want to remind you is, when you make those decisions, you're doing this. Just a little bit more. Can you see how simple it is? And so we go through life and we make choices. We have mindsets. We have thought patterns. What am I going to do here? What am I going to do there? What are the motives behind the choices that I make? And when I feed those motives that are this side, and the choices that I make, this happens. Right? Just one more little turn. Can we see our spiritual life like that? Can we see the decisions and the way we live our life? Is feeding or taking away? Can I take this off a little bit? It's kind of choking, right? But I wanted us just to have that vivid picture as we make choices in our life. That is what's happening. Turn to 1 Peter. Brother Allen shared this verse with us, but I'm going to read it again. <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 2, and verse 11. <clears throat> Dearly beloved, says Peter. Dearly beloved, and can I say to you, my dear, dear brothers and sisters, you young people. I beseech you, live as strangers and pilgrims. Can you do that here? Live as strangers and pilgrims. Abstain. 
stay away from, decide not to, keep separate from, fleshly lusts. That's another word that should go in here, right? I guess we have flesh. I'll just put lusts. Desires that are carnally motivated. Abstain from fleshly lusts. Why? Because they war against your soul. They war against it. Could you picture with me in light of this verse, picture with me this tender little lamb. I think that's the way our souls are. are. That's the way our spiritual lives are. Just this tender little newborn lamb. And we need to guard it. And we need to be careful. And we need to feed it. And use that bottle and give it milk. And nurture it so that it grows. Can we do that? Let's just picture here. And so we have this lamb that we're trying to very carefully nurture. That's what my soul's like. I really think so. That's what yours is like. If we nurture it and we feed it and we abstain from fleshly lusts, it'll grow and strengthen. But I just want you to picture with me that rather than bottle feed this lamb and tenderly care for it, if we make these kind of choices, what we're doing to our soul is we're taking a club to this tender little lamb and just going whack. Ouch. And we make another wrong choice and whack. And we make another wrong choice and how is this little lamb supposed to stay alive? How's it supposed to grow and not be deformed and and messed up? It needs us to tenderly feed it. Young people, would you abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul? Would you do that? Abstain from them. If you don't, it's that whack. Just picture that whack on your soul. It's a delicate little lamb. I shared with you about um, shoes, clothes. I, I know those things. So if I put on, remember wearing a, there was one shirt that I thought looked neater than the other, and so I like to, Again, I'm trying to remember for sure how I wanted everything, but do you know what I mean? And so you wanted a certain way and a certain shirt and a certain look. And, and if I just keep feeding that, I'm going whack to that little lamb. These fleshly lusts, they war against our soul. Do you see this? There is an unseen war as we go through life and we're making choices. Turn with me. I want you to be thoroughly convinced. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're just going to jump around. This is not an uncommon thing. It's all through. Jesus talked about it. The uh, Apostle Paul talked about it. Peter talked about it. John talked about it. They all talked about this unseen war that's happening, either carnal or spiritual. We're feeding or beating on. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1. And I, brethren, would not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. Do we have those two words down? I think we did already, right? Spiritual and carnal. Even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it. 
Neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. You haven't been growing, Corinthians. You're still little babies because you're yet carnal. For whereas there among you, for where, I'm sorry, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Are you just being carnal? And so when you get together, I want to be the one to say the nice thing. Any of you ever had that? Oh, he said it before I did, and I wished I would have said it so that I would have been the one to say it. I know those carnal things. I wish I would have been the one to say that smart comment or that wise comment or that. And so there's envy and there's whack. Right? And so as we go through life, we're making little choices. And it's really very simple. What choices are we going to make? What are we going to feed? And what? Are we going to choke? As a babe, I remember making choices. With basketball. I like to play basketball. Now there's nothing wrong with putting a piece of rubber about this big through a piece of steel about this big. But if I really get into it, And I really want to be the best at it. And there comes this competition. And thus I put a good bit of time into it. Which side am I feeding? Really? If there's a motive and a push and a drive. All that I, you know, there were times when I remember my father and I playing some basketball. And there was some relationship and there was some blessing there. There was. But I also know when there was a drive, I wanted to be good at it. I wanted to show what I could do. And so I kept feeding this. And there came a time in my life when I felt like God said, Mickey, basketball, really? Really, Mickey? In light of this, in light of what we looked at Tuesday and Wednesday, the eternal one and the eternal... And you're going to keep putting energy and desire into putting a piece of rubber this big through a piece of steel this big? Come on, Mickey. And if I would have said, no, 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 I want to be really good at that. Do you know what? I think I wouldn't have gotten the same spiritual blessing as when I realized, I'm going to put that aside. I'm going to fill my time with something more worthwhile. And I'm going to feed my little lamb instead of just leave him as a babe. I remember... Sitting down in the living room, and here are two pieces of reading material. Which one am I going to read? It's kind of easy to kick back and just look at the farm and ranch. And again, I'm not saying that it's all wrong, but look at the concept. What are you going to do? Are you going to say, Lord, I'm going to put the farm and ranch down, and I'm going to pick up something else that's going to feed me? That's going to take that bottle and give it to that lamb so that it will grow. Or am I going to pick up the farm and ranch and... (whistles) I think 
There are some very basic decisions we are making in life that's either choking or feeding our spiritual lives. And I don't want you to get the feeling, though, that, oh, no, we just constantly can't do good things and have to do boring things. Um, You're missing it. There's nothing more exciting. In light of that eternal one sitting upon his throne and he's watching my every move and decision, there's nothing better than a smile from that throne. Nothing. That makes it worth everything. Just a smile. And I like to picture a few of you brothers. I'm stepping outside of, of, of my thoughts here, but a few of you brothers today mentioned this. And I, my term is God is not up there with a big stick. Put the stick aside. God's up there with a big bucket of blessings. That's the way I remember it. B, B, B. Big bucket of blessings. And he's sitting on his throne and he's looking down at your life and he's saying, all right, what decision is she going to make next? Oh, she's going to make that one. And he has to hold back his bucket of blessings. Or does he look and say, yes, she did it. Whoosh. Out come the blessing. That's the way I see our Father. Yes, He has a stick, and we need that stick sometimes, but it's for our own good. I don't beat my children because I get angry. I'm sure I've made some mistakes, but that's not the way we do it. I love them, and so I beat them only when it's for their good and our Father. How much more our Heavenly Father? He's sitting there with a big bucket of blessings, just watching. What's she going to do next? Yes! Or, oh, I can't dump it out this time. Don't get the idea that it's just all negative and all. No, 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 no. It's beautiful. There's nothing better or more exciting. Let's go on. James 4. I'm just pulling from a few different verses. I want to make this very, very solidly in our minds that it really is simple. James. And yet there is a war that is happening and it feels a little unseen. You don't see the big bucket of blessings. You don't instantly have just a wonderful feeling and yet it's happening. It's happening. I... For example, in my life, I heard numerous times the blessing of fasting. And as a young man, I remember saying, I'm going to fast. But do you know what? After the first day of not eating any food, I didn't feel very blessed. I felt nasty. Sorry. For those of you who get a blessing physically, I'm speaking physically, even spiritually, I didn't feel blessed after my first day of skipping food. I didn't feel blessed the second day of skipping food. I felt terrible. Some of you maybe get a blessing. And some people talk about their minds getting cleared. And they can seek the Lord with more intensity. Maybe I've experienced that before, but not most of the time. But do you know what? I look back at times when I said, I'm going to seek God and I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. And there was a blessing hovering over my life. And I can see it as I look back. Did I feel it? Did that big bucket of blessings just make me feel all fuzzy? No. It took discipline. 
And I didn't feel good. So I'm just being honest. It doesn't always feel good when we make the right decisions right then. But don't look at the right now. Look from the throne. Right? What's he saying? What's he doing? And in the long term, I have no doubt. Okay, we're supposed to be at James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 4. Just jumping into the middle here again. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Young people, if there's some friendship feelings with the world and what the world likes, and you like the same thing, do you know what's happening? It's enmity. God is against it. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world, the world, that's, I think that's another term that should go over here, Right? is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace? Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. The tendency of our flesh, I know, the tendency of the flesh is to have friendship with the world and the world's way of thinking and the world's way of doing. So young men, if you like to buy vehicles that the world likes, beware. Be very, very wary. I know we need a truck to pull a trailer. A Honda Civic won't do it. I know that. But do you need the truck? Or is there some friendship with the world that you kind of like? And the color, and the shape, and the size, and the sound. What are you feeding? You're feeding one or the other. Can you accept that? Every one of those decisions is feeding here or it's feeding here. And young people... Some of these things, there are a lot of young people who don't realize they're choking themselves. And they can't figure out what's going on. And they're all confused. And they're choking themselves. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. There's a spirit of the world. As this war takes place inside of us, there can be a spirit that it just has this lust tendency towards whatever is going to make me happy and feel good and push me up. That envy, desiring to be up, no matter whether it's a pickup truck or it's a dress, or it's a hairstyle, whatever it is, if there's this lust and envy that wants to push me up, it's choking your spiritual life if you feed it. Isn't that simple? So, I went back and forth. You heard me pray here this evening. I don't know what the right balance is. I don't mean for it to just be heavy. I want it to be heavy to some of you. Some of you need to buckle down and realize you're choking yourself. But I want, on the other hand, the excitement. 
This is simple. Feed the right things and you'll grow. We all said we want to be holy here. I think Brother Allen, someone asked the question, or maybe it was Brother John D, I don't know. And I don't know if we raised our hands, but we want to. Do we? Do we? Mental assent, ideology, theology, or reality. I want to be known as a holy man, woman of God that emanates Jesus. Oh, it's not that difficult. I watch my heart. I watch my motives as I make every little decision in my life. And young people, he that is faithful in least these little things, do you know what will happen? You'll be faithful in a little bit more. You'll be a David and you'll be given another little assignment and another little assignment and another little assignment if you'll just be faithful. <clears throat> let's turn to another, let's turn to Galatians. I don't know, I have a whole bunch of them here. We'll keep going just a few more. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 6. There's a war that is happening. I want you to remember this. An unseen war that becomes very seen as we make decisions. But inside here, our hearts, inside our minds, there can easily be an unseen war that is wrestling in every one of our lives. Some of you don't wrestle with your shoe style. Some of you don't wrestle with the pickup truck. Some of you don't wrestle with the hairstyle, and some do on each of these, whatever. But each of us, there's going to be a battleground, and I may not mention it here tonight. I'm going to keep mentioning some as we go along, because I just want to stir up your minds. But even if I don't touch on it, I think you'll get the point. Each of us have choices to make. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived, God is not Mocked. Don't you be deceived. Don't you think you can have the neat pickup truck, you can wear the certain clothes, and what you're doing in you, the decisions you're making, but that's not affecting my spiritual life. Skip it! It's not true. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh, right? He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Down here, death. All these words you could keep adding. Somebody should be putting them all here and should make a printout. He that soweth to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit. Hallelujah! This is the exciting part. Don't just feel heavy, but feel excited. He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Hallelujah! Let us not be weary in making the right choices. My flesh has to hurt again. Don't be weary in that. Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if you faint not. Okay, fast for a couple of days. Okay, I really did it, but where's the blessing? No, 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 no. Long term. What's my father saying? 
what are the ultimate results going to be as I'm faithful? In due season, you'll reap if you faint not. So as we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto other people, all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Lord, how can I, and I know some of you, I know some of you practice this. And when you practice this, and you do good unto all men, especially unto the household of faith, and you do something for someone else to lift them up, to push them forward, do you know what's happening with that bucket over your life? Do you know what's happening to that little lamb? It's getting some strength. Do you know what's happening to this strap around our neck? It gets a little looser. Right? As we make purposeful little decisions. Begin to ask God to form your mind that you will look at life's decisions from an eternal perspective that as you wage this war and you go through life and you realize the church floor needs mopped. What am I going to do? I realize we can't do everything. But just, just take the illustration for what it is. I remember as a young man, we had a little uh, spot that needed mopped after our services. <clears throat> and I wanted to serve God. And I grabbed that mop and I did it with my whole heart. Probably nobody ever knew it. It didn't matter. But I got to do it quite a few times in my life and mop that floor. But I did it as unto Jesus. Was it big? No. Was it little? Yeah. Did I get all sorts of good fuzzy feelings and feel like my lamb was just really grown? No. But just do the little faithful things. Sorry, I'm not trying to lift myself up. I had the carnal ones too and the shoes and the shirt. and the, I know what all those things are like. Let's make the right decisions and feed the side we want to feed. Um, I have another one here in Romans, chapter eight, thirteen. <clears throat> Romans eight, thirteen. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. Your spiritual life, young people, is going to die if you live after the flesh and make decisions after the flesh. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Young people, can I encourage you, mortify the deeds of the body. There are times when you need to go squash. I'm not doing that. I'm not letting my mind go there. I'm not going there. And you squash it. Mortify them. This isn't asceticism. This isn't being hard on yourself. This is saying, God, I want to follow you. And with the intensity with which you grab this little principle, I think it determines your trajectory pretty well. How are you going to deal with this very simple little truth that is huge, right? Huge. My mind, my decisions... 
my attitude, my concepts. I don't know. I think we'll just... I have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, maybe more. Maybe I'll throw some more in here. But I want to share another little principle. Okay, I guess I just need to uh, erase some of this. I'm going to give an illustration... Illustrations usually break down, but this one here, I want you to ponder. Here's a, here's a picture of what I'm going to call the carnal Christian's concept of life. I think a carnal Christian tends to have, over here, we're going to call this moral, or I could say godly. Over here, I'm going to put immoral or ungodly. And a carnal Christian has what I call a very large amoral concept of life. And so as he goes through life and he looks at a lot of different things, he puts a tremendous amount of things in this amoral section. Clothes are amoral. Vehicles are amoral. Um, houses are amoral, jobs are amoral. I mean, right? You can't find a yes and a no in the Bible. And so he puts a whole bunch of these things. They don't have, they aren't necessarily clearly moral or clearly immoral, clearly godly or clearly ungodly. And so there's a large section there uh, drinking uh, what I drink and what I eat and, you know, just on and on with life. All these things. There's a huge, God doesn't say, thus saith the Lord. So there's this huge amoral. And a lot of things fit into that. There are clearly moral, godly things. We read the Bible. We go to church. We, and we would put a whole bunch of things in. We have wear head coverings. We believe in the two kingdoms. We want, you know, and over here, immorality, sin, lying. Uh, you know, we've heard this kind of concept. But he has this large, amoral concept of life. And a lot of his life he sees that he lives right in here. I think that is in general a carnally minded Christian. Can I say that? Person. I'm not trying to get theological here. Could I give you what I think happens as we mature? And we become spiritual Spiritually minded Christians, I think this amoral world gets a whole lot smaller. And we realize, oh, the decisions I make either bless, let's see, did I get this on the right side? Yeah, bless or hinder my walk with God. Many decisions I make have to do my attitudes, my perspectives, my motives, and why I do them. And thus they become important. They're not just, whatever happens, not a big deal. Then, the vast majority of my life, I'm doing with a purposeful step for the one who sits upon the throne and is my father that I want to hear someday, well done, son. And I want to be faithful too. Then most of my life has purpose 
and fulfillment. And it's all about him. Right? See that little graph? I realize there's extreme to it and there's problems with illustrations. But can you just grab the what I'm trying to say? I think I see that in people. And when you find someone, it's a fairly wide margin of amoral. It feels dangerous to me. But when we realize most of the decisions I make in life can feed or starve my little lamb, it begins to grow and it gets strength if they're made in the right, <clears throat> in the right way. Second Timothy says, think of this in light of this. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. So Paul, you didn't, uh, you didn't ever work? Yeah, I worked. But I did it on purpose. And it fit over here. Because what I did, I did purposefully. I, I don't know. He said I was preaching night and day while he was making tents. So however that worked, I don't know what was happening in his mind and heart and relationships with others. And the money he got, he used to live on. And he was an example to the people. It fit over here. It wasn't in here. Endure hardness. Don't entangle yourself with the affairs of this life. Don't let them come over here. And most things, don't even let them be in here. Do them purposefully. And you won't be entangled with the affairs. They won't be of this life. They'll be of that life. You see that? No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. <clears throat> First Corinthians 9. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in a few things in life. Mm-mm. Is temperate in? That's a lot, by the way. I don't think that leaves a real wide amoral place. This man, he says, I'm going to run. All that I have, I'm going to run. I'm going to be temperate. And what I do, I want to stick it right over here. So that it feeds and I grow. And I become conformed to the image of the son of my father. Hallelujah. Run. I therefore so run not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my body under. Bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. I, Paul says, am going to be very careful with what I do with this body of mine. This is not an amoral thing. Middle of the road doesn't really matter. I'm going to bring it into subjection and I'm going to use it. I'm going to keep it under so that I run the way my father wants me to run. Young people, let's do it. Will you join me? I am. I just love this little principle. It motivates me. It, ha, it is changing me and it is changing you. Right? There's an unseen war that you have been fighting. I want to open it up to you so that you realize the choices you make and the repercussions thereof. And you know what will happen? If you're making a choice in life 
and your right eye offends you, what do you do? You pluck it out. If your cell phone offends you, what will you do with it? Throw it away. Do something serious. If your right hands offend you, offends you, what are you going to do? And if there's something else in your life, whether it's a thing, it's your stuff, and it's offending, get rid of it. Why? Because I'm running. I'm warring. I have something that I'm fighting for. My Father is watching my every step. And I am here to walk in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus in every possible way that I can. And it's exciting. The bucket of blessings comes. But I think those blessings usually are somehow, it seems like they're delayed. Know what I mean? Sometimes they're instant, but many times it feels like they're delayed. If, and there's a quote, I don't have it in my notes here. If God gave instant repercussions to our actions, there would be no sin. If there were instant repercussions for our actions and our choices. Just think about it. If they were instant. You looked with lust. Repercussions of a mess, of an, uh, the, uh, of an adulterous life living in sin and debauchery. Whether it's hell or whether it's just the end thereof. If there were instant repercussions, whew, we'd change in a hurry, right? So remember, God has made it thus that the repercussions are not instant. Some of them are a little bit, but they're delayed. Thus, the big bucket of blessings and the beating of the little soul, lamb, or the choking usually doesn't feel instant, but it's there. That's why it feels unseen. We know all the verses. Disciples said unto him, uh, Jesus said unto his disciples, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Can you, all these normal scriptures, can you see them in this simple little principle? Oh, this would be really nice. It'll, it'll make me feel good in my life. Be careful. Where do you put it here? Just be careful. And let us walk with an intense carefulness as we follow our master. <clears throat> Young people, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of the Father. Set your affections, your desires, the things you love, the things you want, your mind, your set your affections on things above. Right? Not on things of the earth. Don't do it. It'll kill you. I do the wrong side. I did, didn't I? I'm sorry. It'll kill you. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. 
For you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Is it? Is it with Christ in God, under the eye of the Father, walking and making everyday choices? Young people, let's be careful how much time you spend, I don't know, young ladies, how much time you need to spend in front of the mirror, but can you be careful with it? And watch your motives, lest you do this to your spiritual life. Be careful with that. Will you? Be careful. Young people, I know my father talked about this and I'm very sorry. I didn't feel good, so I wasn't here for his session and my mother shared with you young ladies. Stay pure. Watch very carefully what you do with your mind. Young men, you allow things in your mind, or you look at things you shouldn't. Remember what's happening. You're doing this. You're choking yourself. Don't kid yourself. You're choking yourself. Young ladies, be careful with those emotions. Watch what you do. Keep yourself pure. You don't want to let them go and mess around with things or you'll do this. Right? Watch how you, when you pick out dress fabric, when you put on your head covering, when you comb your hair, watch what you do lest this happen. You don't want to do this to yourself. Be careful, young people. This social media stuff is an influence that I think we're undermining. We don't realize. We as human beings are so influenced by others' thoughts around us and their perspectives. And so we'll look at something someone says and, or a picture someone sends and we'll think, well, yeah, but I wouldn't do that. But somehow I think it kind of desensitizes us a little bit. Just a little bit. And it happens again. And someone sends a funny little uh, uh, quote around. And someone shows a picture that they did. And, and we're just watching this stuff. And what's happening is somehow it so often feeds some of this. And I fear it's doing this, excuse me, this to us more than we realize. And it gets tighter and tighter. <clears throat> be careful what you do. I mentioned this, okay, I, I, back to the purity thing. Stay pure, young men. Fight with a vengeance for purity. In your mind, what you look at, what you think about, what happens in a room by yourself, all those things, you be careful. You're not playing with small stuff. Let's be careful with what we buy. Be careful what you spend your money on. Just freely here and freely there. Be careful with that. Minimize that amoral world so that you don't get desensitized. We had a dear young man whose parents um, <clears throat> loved the Lord and they came, I believe they came from Russia if I'm not mistaken. They came over here but they didn't, it just seemed like it was a wrestle for them to know how to deal with the affluence that was around them. And their children started wandering after the world. They went back to Russia. I think they were a bit scared of it. 
and it might have been wise. But one of their young men who had had enough of a taste of this came back. He lived in a house right beside us, actually the same house. But. And this young man, he liked his, he would have called himself a Christian, and he liked his BMW cars. And then there was some music that got a little bit, no, it wasn't a little bit edgy, it was too far. And then there was, and it just kind of kept going, and this young man didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know how to deal with the affluent society that was around him. They were more used to the pressure of persecution, and they didn't understand, he didn't understand this principle we're talking about right here, apparently. Or he didn't, didn't care, I guess. But I don't think he understood. And he kept making wrong choices, and we just saw the spiritual life squeeze out of him. Be careful who you allow to be the pressure in your life. We talk about peer pressure. Be careful. How you dress, where you go, what you buy, music you listen to. Could you get some pressure from the older ones? Get some older people pressure. That's what God means for you to If you just allow a little bit more of this music, do you know what some of it is doing to you? And if you're not sure if it is or not, go ask your parents or your leaders. They'll help you. They'll help you know. And if it doesn't make sense to you, just listen to them. It will someday. It'll make a difference of life or death. Spiritual, carnal. I don't know that I hit all of the, I know I didn't hit all of the things in life that you know may be doing this to you. You know them. Can you think of them? Can you ask God, God, where am I choking myself? And where am I feeding myself? Ask God. Young people, would you please join me in this fight that we have in the midst of an affluent society at this point. We must fight. I want to fight with you. I'm not that much older than you. I want to be running along beside you. I want you to help me with my children. Join with them too. And run this race that is set before us so that we win and we get the prize. And our Heavenly Father looks down and says, Yes! A faithful people yet on planet earth. I think it's fairly simple. I hope I have helped you see how simple it is. It really, really is. Let's run. Will you run with me? I'm going to let it go at that. Bless you all. I do love and care. Probably more than you know. But I do.